Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Business Podcast. If you're here for the first time, welcome to it. This is our weekly show where we discuss global events and share ideas that push you to expand your thinking and your reality, both in your personal lives and in your businesses. By listening to this podcast, you're saying to yourself, hey, I want to be the best life has to offer. I want to find ways to grow and optimize my health, wealth, and happiness. This is exactly what Eric and I do. We research, we speak, and we write all about the way we can expand ourselves into the future. My name is John Sane. I'm a futures strategist, a Singularity University faculty member. I do talks and write books around the world. I'm currently based in Dubai, and I'm always, always joined by my ever- handsome um, co-host, Eric Kruger, who is also a keynote speaker, an executive coach, and an author who helps leaders become formidable in the face of uncertainty. Before I carry on with this intro, Eric, I was, in, I was speaking to somebody the other day in Dubai, and um, while I was speaking to them and telling them about the podcast, they're like, oh my God, Eric's so hot. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 Eric is. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a good-looking guy. It's like, yeah, he's so hot. Um, and then they, I was like, look, but do you listen to the podcast? They're like, yeah, it was like, it was like secondary to them, but they were listening to the podcast and they were more interested in you. I was like, you do know he's married, eh? He's like, yeah, 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 we know, we know he's married. He's like, married. Just, we're just saying, we're just saying. That's anyway, so how are you, Eric? Hey, brother. Uh, yeah, I'm really good. Um, thank you for that. Um, it's been a long time since I've heard that from someone, so thank you. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. 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 My wife oh, doesn't shame, say that Eric. to me. Someone said, where's your life? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, your dogs are saying it all the time. They're, just, they're singing in a different language. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, listen, things are going really well. Um, it's been a phenomenal week. Um, sure, you know, uh, I've been traveling again this week, and it's just phenomenal. I think I mentioned this last year sometime. It's like when you're stuck in your room all the time, then it feels in a way like your dreams be- become the size of the room. And the moment you start traveling and you get out and you're like interacting and like the world just feels open it feels like your dreams take on that form as well. Like all of a sudden, like you're like, you're limitless again. You're thinking about how big you want to go, how far you want to go. And I've definitely, I've experienced it this week, you know, um, speaking for momentum, doing some facilitations for Exco's. Like I'm ready. I'm like, I'm like, let's go. It feels, it feels amazing. What's happening on your side? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to it. I know I've been traveling quite a bit this year and yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Uh, on Tuesday, I'm at the expo, um, at the exhibition hall, speaking for the government. And uh, when I was told about the event, um, it was in passing. It was like, look, are you in Dubai next week? I was like, yeah. They're like, look, we've got an event for you at expo. I said, like, great. Okay, we'll chat about it. I got briefed. There's 10,000 people coming in through the inter- interweb and apparently 2,000 people in the audience. Sure. And I had no idea that I was actually signing up for this sort of thing. So I've been building a brand new talk for it. Um, and they've asked me to talk about how to how evolving knowledge into wisdom. Mm. And it's actually a knowledge-based uh, platform that uh, Sheikh Maktoum, um, the ruler of Dubai, puts on to improve knowledge uh, and increase intelligence in the region. Um, but I'm going to be saying that knowledge is not enough. Knowledge mm. is what we of used course. to need. Mm. We actually need wisdom and intuition. And this is part of one of my talks, but I'm expanding on that section because they wanted me to focus on that. And again, you know, I, I share that sentiment, you know, as you out there, things are booming, things are busy. People are really wanting to connect with other people. So what a wonderful time to be coming out of the sort of COVID period mm. and into this new world that we're moving into. So today we're going to be talking an, a sort of uh, uh, extension of last week's uh, session. Yeah. Um, I took 
people through the skills of the future. Um, again, quite similar to what I'll be doing with the Dubai government next week. Um, but uh, today what we're going to be doing is extending it to have Eric's perspective on skills of the future. And uh, what we have decided as well is this is a new keynote that Eric and I are going to be putting out into the world. We think that the future of work, skills of the future are incredibly important things that people need to understand. And there's so much to it. It's such a deep process and very much about letting go of what you know in order to adopt something new. And this whole process is not a smooth process. It's not a seamless process. It's a, it's a difficult and jagged process. And so this massive, massive shift that we're going through requires us to change our focus and change what we're engaging with in order to prepare and bring an impact into the future. So I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea what Eric is going to be talking about today. So I am going to be listening just like all of you are listening to it for the very first time. So Eric, over to you, friend. Yeah, thanks, brother. Um, before we get into that, I want to quickly ask you, in your experience, like when you look at um at the people that you've worked with, if you just look at society at large, do you feel people are putting in the work to prepare for the future? Do you, like, do you think that they are looking towards the future and saying, what do I need to do in order to be ready for that? Or do you think that they are simply concerned with what they need to do today to get through the day? Like, where do you see like, most of society falling? Most of society are in panic. But, you know, in Egypt, I had a lady say to me, you know, because I speak about the fourth turning in my talk, and she was saying, no, well, I don't think the crisis is on. I think the new world has already begun, you know, the new renaissance, which is really coming at 2028. And my response to her, I said, do you realize that you are sitting in Cairo in a five-star hotel? You're on the cutting edge of society. For you, maybe the crisis has ended, but the world out there is in panic. Mm. They are in distraught. They don't know what to do and how to do it. So... I think a very small percentage of people are excited about what's coming. I think a massive number of people are totally in panic. And I think another massive level of people are in total denial and totally clueless mm. about what's coming. So mm. I think it's a very small percentage of people that are excited. I think the rest yeah. of the people are in a bit of panic. What do you think? Yeah. No, that's a good breakdown. Uh, I think I experienced something similar. I was busy working on a video um, this week and the sort of tagline for it was, no one cares about being future fit. Um, cause like every organization, like every conference we go to, like, I feel like that's always such a big theme, you know, be future fit, be future ready. And I'm, I'm almost like, I don't know if people really care about that. Um, I don't think people care about it when they're just trying to get through the day, when there's just like fires burning all around them, when the world is just dunked into more turmoil and chaos at every turn. I don't think people care about it, you know? Um, and, and it's like, when you think of health, you know, how often you know, you like you have this little pain in your chest and instead of getting it seen to, you leave it, right? Because it's not urgent enough. And like two, three years down the line, you end up with a heart attack and then you get it seen to. But up until that point, it gets worse. The pain gets a bit more, but like you put it off, you put it off, you put it off. And I think like future readiness and future fitness is often in the same category as that, is that you feel that pain, you realize like, AI is, is becoming more and more evolved. You realize that, oh, perhaps the skill that I have today isn't going to be the skill for tomorrow. So you have those like little pangs and then you just get back to like, okay, let me just do the work that I need to do for today. And like you have those pangs, you have those pangs until three years down the line, like you're irrelevant, right? So I just think like, um, yeah, I, I'm just not sure if you care all that much about future fit. Um, I don't look, I, I don't think care is the right word. I don't think they have the capacity I think it's capacity. I think they care. I think, I think what happens when something's so uncertain 
fear is the first thing that comes up, right? So mm. there's an emotional unfitness when it comes to thinking about the future. Because if you're emotionally fit, you are not anxious, you're excited. Mm. And so when you're falling back into your default of safety, plus add to that, many jobs have been cut and certain people are doing three people's jobs. And so, and you're still under pressure to bring profitability and your EBITDA and your, you know, so I think, I don't think it's a care. I think it's capacity. Maybe some people don't care, but I think most people would love to be future ready. Firstly, I don't think they know where to start, how to go about doing it. It's too much of a daunting process to want to jump out of being a CA and now jump into something in the metaverse. It's just, it's too far flung, right? Mm. So I think it's capacity. I think people don't have enough time to do it. And I think that when they do have time, they really just want to relax. Mm. They don't want to actually now start learning something new. So I think the most important thing for us to do really is to expose ourselves to that information early in the morning as mm. we wake up, because the rest of the day, you know, you're not going to do it at four o'clock. There's no yeah. way, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I think agree. that's that's the perfect way for me to get into the very first skill then, because um, that what you Segway. just you used to call them segways. segways. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I very purposely, I very purposely didn't use that word today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good segue, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let's move into the next topic. Don't you think segue is just such a cool word though? And also the way it's spelled, S E G U E. Like I would never have pronounced it segue like that. I always thought like it's going to be like segue the S E G W A Y, like the bike thingy that they always had. But you know, Segway is spelled uh, S-E-G-U-E. I thought it was S-E-D-G-E. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know it was that way. uh, Yeah, okay. So always when I think of Segway, I also think of the spelling, and that's why I kind of like the word. Um, (laughs) Okay, got it. Thank you for teaching me that. I had no idea. Okay, cool. So um, Segway into the very first uh, skill then that I want to speak about is the meta skill of learning to learn and, and learning to change. So I recently did this poll on LinkedIn and on Instagram where I, where I asked people, do you think people have become better at changing? And really, if you break it down, then what that kind of means is have people become better at learning the skill of changing? And it was quite interesting because on LinkedIn and Instagram, I almost had a very similar response. Um, about 54% of people said yes and about 46 said no. Um, and it was almost tied. Like um, I think that was LinkedIn and Instagram was like 56 and 44%. Um, said yes and said no. So it's of, it's of course a very difficult thing to measure, but and the polls, you know, interesting, but like not really sufficient in any way to make any sort of meaningful conclusion. But I had some interesting discussions off the back of that, and there were two things that I that I took away. The first thing is perhaps like because we've been changing so much, because there's been so much asked of us over the past two years, perhaps in some ways we have gotten better at change. But there are still many things that, like, if we want to answer that, that question meaningfully, still many things we need to answer on top of that, which is like, um, yes, we've changed, but is that change permanent enough? Um, yes, we've changed, but will we continue to change if change isn't forced upon us? But let's, let's assume people have been getting better at change. Then that's a very good thing for organizations and for people in general, because it means that we can continue changing. Like, it means that there's some... Uh, downstream change that we can initiate because if we are better at this, if we are in the flow of it, in the momentum of it, then we can just keep changing. Like it becomes easier downstream to change. However, and this is very important, any skill is weakened in the presence of fatigue. And a skill like learning is weakened in the presence of fatigue. So when 
when I play squash, like I started, I'm starting off at a very low level of skill, if I'm very honest with myself. <laughs> but what I've noticed is that the moment I get fatigued, it's like my decision making, my shot making ability, my ability to get the ball, all of it just drops off a cliff. And what we need to realize is that our ability to learn also drops off a cliff when we are in the presence of fatigue. And this is the part of the challenge here is that maybe people are better at changing, but the environment has become very, it's not allowing for learning, right? You're yeah, kind of yeah, forced yeah, yeah. to learn, but it's not really yeah, allowing yeah. for a deep level of learning in a, right. in a good right. uh, structured environment. And so this is where it, it tied into what you were saying is that what we then need to think about um, at an organizational level and at an individual level is how do we create environments for learning? And at an individual level, what it might be is that I learn in the morning instead of learning later in the day. I might uh, learn more in the beginning of the year than the end of the year. And for organizations, it's really about how do we keep people energized? How do we combat the fatigue that they might feel so they can keep learning? Because let's assume people are better at learning because of what we've been through. Then your job is really to just facilitate that environment for them over and over and over so they can continue learning. So that would be my, my first I love, I love it because, you know, I often suggest to organizations and families to make Thursdays future days. Mm. It's like just sit on a Thursday morning and don't talk about operations, talk about the future. Mm. And at dinner, speak to your family about the future and like make it, make it a time where you are making it a, almost like an edutainment process but yeah, so like, that's great. You know, I've been practicing that. I didn't have the words that you've just put to it. So I really like that. And I, in fact, do that myself. You know, mm -hmm. I listen to lectures in the morning. In the afternoons, I still walk, but I often listen to music because my brain's tired. I don't want to be putting any new information into it. So yeah, great. So really, it's, it's creating the time and space to learn. That's really step one. Is like, if yeah. you, you've got to be, yeah. you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to be intentional it. about it and you have to, I mean, we've just, we've seen how important our environments are. So you, know, you have to ask yourself the question, how do I structure my environment for better learning? Um, yeah. And realize that if you are, you know, it's so funny, like as an organization, you might expect your people to, to change and change and change and change, but you're not thinking mm. about the, the fatigue component to it. So like you need to be doing both. You almost need to like equip them with the tools and the skills to learn, but you also need to create the, the wellness aspect component of it, which I think organizations are paying more attention to, but are you paying enough attention? Because the world is a, a, a crazy place. You know, like I, I keep thinking, it's been a pandemic, it's been war, it's been load shedding, it's like petrol prices that go up. It's like the amount of stuff that people have to deal with is actually incomprehensible. There is so much. And then you take all of the big global stuff and what you do is you layer that onto all the emotional stuff, people dying, breakups, losing your job. I mean, damn it, you know, like there's a lot for people to deal with. So, Look, for all of our non-South African listeners, load shedding is loss of power and uh, it's happening in China. It's happening in South Africa. It's happening in many places around the world right now. People just don't have enough power. Mm. The growth of the countries have been too big. So, um, Or the, yeah, or the inefficiencies of the government. Well, most governments are inefficient these days. Yeah, you know? that's most, true. not all. That's true. Mm. All right. So skill okay, number, two number two is mm. all around decision-making with nuance. So I've been to business school twice. And the first time was to do my postgraduate diploma in management. The second time was to do my master's in executive coaching. And both times I picked up this very 
uh, interesting but repeating pattern, which was when you ask a question of the lecturers, the answer was always, it depends. And the reason why is because it depends. Like there's just so much context and so many changes that are happening all the time that what you need to do in a specific situation depends. It depends on whether you want to be irrelevant or irrelevant, whether you have a goal or not a goal, whether you have the right environment or not. Um, what you do today might be the perfect thing to do today, but doing that tomorrow is the wrong thing to do. So we need to know that when certainty goes out the window, it means that we no longer have um, the opportunity to just rely on making decisions that are clear cut. Like it's not just black and white anymore. We are operating in the space between black and white. And so what that means is that it requires nuance. Now, you've already told us in the, in the previous session um, that intuition is a really important part of how you're going to make decisions. Where I want to add to that is I think that we need to all practice to be clearer thinkers at the same time so that you know that there are times to make a quick decision, times to make a slow decision, time to take a risk, time to play it safe, time to pursue a new venture, and time to stick to what works. But because of the complexity of the environment that we are playing in, it can take months to know if you've made the right decision or not. You know, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing. And so it's funny to me that I think we actually spend very little time becoming better at the skill of decision-making. Yet, it is that one skill that in so many ways determine where you end up in life. But I, I, you know, I did this thing early in the year where for 30 days I, had, I kept a little journal. And I just, every day I just noted down all the decisions that I made. And it was so funny to me because like, you almost like know your patterns. Like I know I'm an impulsive spender, but you don't realize how much you do that until you start noting it down. Like, and you don't realize- Until your wife told you. Eric, oh, stop yeah. spending our money, man. I did, no, but I, I know that I'm, I, I get something into my head and like, I go very quickly from, oh, that's nice to like, I can't live without this. I, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then because I know I'm an impulsive spender, I'll, yeah. I'll sit on it for like a day and all that really does is go, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm definitely convinced. <laughs> Yes, so, do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you should. You <laughs> yeah. deserve it, Eric. You deserve it. You worked so hard. You worked so hard. Yeah. So um, I, I found that yeah. in that process, it, it made <laughs> me so a funny. lot more. <laughs> <laughs> we we can prove anything to ourselves yeah. that we want to do, right? It's like any, it justify anything, anything. Yeah. So um, so I just I don't think that we pay enough attention to to how we make decisions and trying to be better with those decisions. So a few things. Well, look, that, I think Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so firstly, I had a coach for many years uh, and she always used to respond and I used to laugh because I used to ask her a question and she'd be like, but John, um, that's a yes and I'd finish it and a no, right? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> let me explain. I was like, everything's a yes and no. There's no black and white. And so I, 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 love, I love what you're saying um, and I agree with it. Again, you're giving me language to some things that I was thinking about and I love that. But the question I have is, there is no right or wrong. The, the, the idea here is like, you just got to go with it. What feels right, what makes you excited, what kind of, and you know, this delayed gratification is what I'm getting here is that mm. many of our decisions have delayed gratification. And um, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's developed these boutique platform gyms here. And he's won four years in a row, best boutique gym in Dubai. And that's a big ask because Dubai has got some amazing gyms. But his delayed gratification of building this business for the last five years of hitting his head against the wall 
And now it's starting, like now after years and years of pushing this cart up the hill, right? Mm. And again, if I, if I think about it, me moving to Dubai, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a much more expensive city to live in than in Cape Town. I'm burning through money, but that's not the point. The point is there's a delayed gratification of this decision of the long-term solutions that I'm looking for here and pushing me out of my comfort zone to play in this global market. So I love what you're saying. And, and, and so my question is, how do you know if you're making the right decision? And like, is there an answer to yeah. that? Is um, the answer yes or no? <laughs> yeah, it, that's the answer. <laughs> but I also think we'd be um, remiss not to use all of the data that we have these days. And, you know, like um, before we jumped onto this call, you were saying, for example, that you were journaling. And journaling is part of the process of getting clarity, right? And like the, the clarity that you get from journaling, for example, is going to be something that you take. It's, it's going to give you clearer thinking into your decisions. So it is mm. like, um, mm. so, so that's one part of it. It's like there's the clarity that we create for ourselves, perhaps about where we want to go, what we want to do. And we bring that into our decision making that makes things a bit clearer. But there's also a lot of data that we have mm. these days. And especially in, in organizations, like that's something that you want to be using, right? Like you don't want to not look at the data and where, where the trends are and all those kind of things are. So um, three sort of things to think about regarding clearer decision making or decision making with nuance is... Number one is that you might want to have certain rules for yourself about how you make decisions. So, I mean, for example, in my case, maybe I shouldn't delay it by one day. I should delay by seven days before I make a big purchase, right? Like, so, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that might help. Jeff Bezos has this thing where he's like, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't ever have perfect information. Once you have 70% of the information, you pull the trigger. So like, that's a good rule in a world of overwhelm yeah. and complexity. It's like 70% information, we pull the trigger. Um, secondly is that we want to tap the network and we'll come back to that. Obviously like speaking to other people help you to be clear in your decision making. And then thirdly, and I think this is quite an interesting one is that you want to discern process from output. So there's this idea from Annie Duke about resulting and resulting says that very often we look at the outcome of a decision and we base whether it was a good or bad decision purely based on the outcome. And she says, ah, you can't not, do yeah, that. That's not right. Yeah. No, you can't do that. You, you have no, to look absolutely. at the process. Um, so, for example, like if you are driving, uh, let's say you go to a party, you drink too much, uh, and you decide to drive home. If you get home safely, um, that was a very good outcome in that situation. Does that mean yes, that it was the right decision? Yes. Definitely not. And very often you might go through a process. You might say, like, let me start a business. And you, your reasoning and your process behind everything is sound. And then like COVID comes around and wipes out your business. It doesn't mean that you made the wrong yeah. decision, right? Like it's just like you can't always control the outcome. Um, yeah. But I think it's important for us to, to be very, and again, this comes back to like the skill of decision-making would mean awareness of how I make decisions, the process, mm. and then also awareness of, oh, this is how the outcome tied to it, but not necessarily like judging the decision based on the outcome. So, you know, I speak about this addiction to outcome, addiction to certainty. And uh, we're so keen on the outcome that we often don't appreciate this, the system. We just want the outcome. And the system in itself op is often the real magic, you know. Mm. And so if we think about it, that everything that's gotten us to this point is the process that we followed. And, you know, I did the restaurants and that really taught me huge things around leadership and culture and all those things. 
but the outcome wasn't great because the mm. outcome, I went bankrupt for my restaurants. But the process of running restaurants at that age, at that size, at that many people really put me in a space of understanding myself and psychology and customers and all those things. So love it. Yeah, um, that's a good example. Process over outcome. Process that's over good. outcome. Very good. Okay, so number three is the skill of creativity. Because creativity is not just art. Like when we hear that word, I think we tend to associate it with artists and musicians and ad, ad agencies. You know, we, we look at the creative types. That's kind of how we think about it. But creativity for me at its heart is being able to create. It's creating a solution. It's creating content, a video, a podcast. It's creating a service. It's creating a link between two different ideas. Creativity is the act of breathing life into something new. That is what it comes down to. And we need to all be practicing the skill of breathing life into new things. There's two good reasons for that. One is that we've seen this creator economy just boom. And the creator economy is all about creating. It's all about creativity. It's all about finding a physical container for your creativity. And I mean, we see this like over and over and over. Like, it, you know, it's an amazing time to practice your creativity. But the second reason why I think it's really important is that at least to the best of my knowledge, that's something that machines haven't mastered yet, right? Like when you look at AI, it's really about efficiencies. It's really about analyzing. It's about compiling. But I don't think they've mastered creativity yet. And I'll give you two examples. Um, you have this GPT-3 algorithm, which is this... Um, AI that you like, you give it an input and like, for example, you can, you can say to it, write a blog post about how much we love dogs and it'll write an entire blog, like four or 500 word blog post for you. The thing is like that still requires your input, your creative input. And the stuff that it puts out still requires your creative input to turn into something that is more meaningful and um, yeah, that, that I think has value to it right? So, so that's one example. The other is just before we jumped onto this call, I was just quickly scrolling through TikTok and there was this thing called Netflix by bots. And so what they do is they feed the script of a series into this like AI thing. And then like it teaches it how the uh, series runs, the dialogue, the scenes, whatever. And then they ask it to write a script off the back of that, right? Like, so it teaches it and then they ask it to write. And they made it watch this like um, gangster movie. And like one of the outputs from that was, um, <laughs> this is funny because they animate the entire thing. So it's like, I'm a, I am a mafia. So it's this mafia dude. I'm a mafia gangster now and I'm going to death you with my Italian gun. And then he holds up this like, <laughs> this like suitcase and he starts firing out pizza and spaghetti and like. <laughs> 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 so again, like, you know, it's, like we're working on it, but like the creativity is still the things that yeah. we that we generate, yeah. and that yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether whether I think the magic lies is that your creativity can be combined, your collaboration with machines can be combined in that way to produce something really interesting. But at this point, I think your creativity and harnessing mm. that is something that is a, a skill that just will nonstop serve you into the future. Yeah, that's great. Eh? I mean, look, we have narrow AI, general AI, and super AI, right? We're right now in narrow. Over the next 10 years, we'll move into general, which means that a very smart toaster can also drive. Because mm. right now, a car can drive. It can't do anything else. And mm. so we, we are in the narrow section at the moment. And obviously, AI and data is all about 
pattern recognition and pattern repetition. And so creativity is not about any patterning. It's about joining of the invisible dots that nobody else can see that you can see. Mm. So I love that. So, so I, I, did you have only three points, Eric? No, no, I have the, two more. Three? Uh, well, oh, okay. one Let's and a half, yeah. Okay, go. So the next one, and this is just a, a very quick one, is that I think, um, and this is very specific to, to leaders and organizations, is that they have to learn the skill of facilitation. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what are, the, what are the characteristics of a modern leader? And I definitely think that one of the most important ones is that for us to deal with complexity, we have to do it through networked thinking. And that is a fancy way of just saying that we have to harness the intellect and the creativity of those around us. And the best way to do that is to be a good facilitator of thought and creativity. So this is just, a, I think, a, a skill that, that leaders need to become uh, comfortable with, is that when they walk into the room, that that is their intention. Isn't to be the, the smart one in the room, isn't be, to be the one with all the answers in the room, is to be the one that um, creates the environment for creative problem solving, that they are able to link people, challenge them, uh, make them better, and keep them focused on the right problems. Jeez, that is a really powerful one, you know, and it's, I guess changes why you go into a meeting, mm. you know, um, it's, it's a tough one because you've got a certain strategy that you want to follow because you understand things. So you really have to put your strategy aside and allow the room to bubble up with an idea that maybe will be different to yours. And that's a tough one. Even now when I'm thinking about it, you know, when I meet with my teams, I'm very clear about what I want to do, but you, but you know what? No, no, no. I do. I do allow everybody to jump in and, and, yeah, but it's a tough one. Still, very good. I, I really like that. So as a leader, you're not there to give the answers. Mm. You're there to facilitate the wisdom in the room, to, to, to build it up. Yeah. So great. Look, I think when we come back to the idea of like um, operating with nuance, it also means that there might be times where you need to just be the leader that uh, says, do it yeah, now yeah. and do it this way. Um, we've, we know that transactional leadership is, is good in times of chaos, for example, to just give people a bit of structure and certainty. But then there are times when you need to strap into the facilitator chair and say, well, cool, I'm sitting back and I'm, I'm allowing the room to bring its wisdom to the problem or to whatever we are working on. So if I, if I had to sum up your, your points, I know you've got another one, but if I had to sum, up, sum, up, sum it up, it sounds like do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, maybe do this, maybe do that. Good luck out there. <laughs> not, that, sounds, that sounds accurate. Don't follow the formula. Kind of follow the formula. Sometimes do this, sometimes do that, and all the best. And don't stuff it up, okay? <laughs> it's like, I, welcome I, I to went the back to square one. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to the future. There's no answers. There's no answers. Uh, figure them out yourself. This is a very informative, Eric. I mean, I've really loved all the language, but... I, I'm leaving more confused than when I arrived, but yes, very good. I love it. I love it. Cool. Yeah, Last one mm. is, um, I just call it chaos management. So we were doing a webinar this week and we asked people about, you know, what are the, some of the biggest threats that they, that they feel are, are um, in front of them right now in the moment. And what was quite interesting to me, and it, it struck me as odd in a way, was that uh, we had one of those word clouds, you know, so like the more people yes, say the same yes. thing, the bigger the word becomes yeah. and stands out. And one of the, so like, I think the biggest one, if I remember, was stress. That was the biggest um, threat. But then the second biggest one was nuclear war. <laughs> and it, it struck me as odd, okay. you know, and I wow. thought, yeah. yeah, and I thought like, it's, that's a, 
I, I understand where it's coming from, but it's strange to me yeah. that like that features so highly for people at the moment. And yeah. I thought what's missing perhaps is our ability to manage the chaos better, to compartmentalize the mm. different threats that we are facing. Because like, am mm. I concerned about nuclear war? Yes. Like I'm, I'm worried that like, at some point that might break out. Who knows? It's, mm. it's an unpredictable world. Is it like, is there no chance of it happening? Definitely not. Like there's a possibility. There's a possibility yeah. for everything. But am I listing it in my top five things that I'm worried about today? No. Definitely <laughs> not. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and I think what, what happens is that we, we perhaps don't have the skill of de-escalating the chaos around us to understand that, yes, there are many threats in, in, in front of us, but we need to choose the ones that are like closest to us that we can actually do something about. Because even if I'm deathly worried about nuclear war today, there's nothing I can do. Like, I'm not going to pick up the phone to Putin and say like, listen, dude, uh, let's, let's chill on the nukes, you know? So like, there's nothing I can do about it. So I need to make sure that I focus my attention on the threats that are actually um, threatening to me in the moment. And what I thought about is that what chaos management really is, is your ability to discipline your thinking and your emotions. I don't know if you've ever seen those drone shots where they, uh, they go up in the air and they show, um, I mean, of course you've seen drone shots, but this specific one, which is that they, they fly over sheep, right? And like the sheep are scattered everywhere and they're all grazing, but they're all over the show. And then they let out the sheep dogs. And then these dogs have like the most phenomenal ability to yeah. herd these sheep, right? Like, and you look from the yeah. top and they're moving them in this like beautiful pattern until they get them wow. into the pen. And yeah. kind of that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, like, if your thinking is undisciplined, the sheep are just everywhere. Like you just, mm. you don't care. They're grazing off in the distance and then one is walking over to the like stream over there and whatever. And like, but what you need to do is you need to cultivate the ability to let out the sheepdog to to herd and, and, and get those thoughts together and structured and into the pen, like compartmentalize it. It's good to be able to compartmentalize in that way. I'm not saying um, don't deal with things. I'm saying deal with the right things. And chaos management is to me that you are dealing with the right things at the right time. Again, the language you use is wonderful. I, I, I call this perspective management. And in my masterclass, I do a whole section on perspective management is how fit are you to manage what you focus on? And one of the things that I do when something affects me that I find quite disturbing or challenging, I invoke the archetype of the warrior. I quite literally say to myself, okay, this is the time your warrior archetype needs to kick in. Because, you know, as a man, you've got the king, the warrior, the lover, the magician. Mm. These are all very ancient ma ma um, masculine archetypes. And you can call on these archetypes to tap into them. And so for me, when chaos management comes to me and I get that little ugh in my stomach, I'm like, uh-uh, that's a weak way to think about the situation that you need to work out. If you adopt a forward footing towards this topic, then you're hitting it head on mm. instead of sitting on the back and feeling sorry for yourself or upset that something's happened. Or So I've really found this warrior archetype to help me a lot, you know, and that's just mm. maybe a tip for people to want to use, you know? Yeah, you sound so quite dangerous just, when you do that. I like it. Yeah, and, and it's funny because my emotional, even my body stance changes when I think about that topic mm. when I've adopted a warrior mindset, you know? So learning to learn again, that was your first one. Yeah. The second one was nuanced decision-making. Sometimes you get a bit of this. Sometimes you do a bit of that. Yeah. It really depends on the nuance. Uh, the skill of creativity. 
is really about understanding um, how to create, what to create. And it's not just about art, music, or ads. It's really about everybody that's breathing life into something. Geez, I'm a great listener, hey? Well, <laughs> breathing life into something. And then what you have, the fourth one is the skills of a facilitator where a leader goes in not to give the answers, but to create an environment to awaken the genius in the room. But sometimes you do still have to be the leader that takes the hold, but not always. And lastly, chaos management, where you're able to have the fitness of what you want to focus on, just like a sheepdog rather mm. than the sheep. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, that's a very good summary. Points? Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I know that you say that you feel more confused than before, but the reality is that... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the I'm reality kidding. is... Um, yeah, yeah. This is the space we have to play in, you know, and, yeah. and unfortunately, like as much as we want certainty, it's just not there. And as much as we want, you know, I think if you listen to both of our, our sessions on this, mm. we didn't go and say, learn coding. Right, like that's not what we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't say no. become a master at NFTs because all of that yeah. depends. Again, like it's it's all up in the air. And like, even if you go and do coding today, like it doesn't mean that you are future fit. Like, if you can't exercise that in a way of like you creating yeah. something new off the back of that. Also, if you want to yeah. like do that, you need to be able to learn to code. Like, there's so mm. much. So like, people shouldn't think about the specific skill of like like don't go and look at a job in the job section and say okay, let me learn to do this job yeah. specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, look at these skills that we've spoken about because these are the skills behind the skills. And the, the better you get at this, the easier it becomes to adopt to anything and change absolutely. according to anything that is happening in the world around Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, thank cool, you so brother. much, Eric. Thank that you. was really, really great. I really love that. Um, and as we wrap up today's episode, I'd like to say thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing your time with us and well done for investing your time in your own growth. Remember for positive change to take place in your life, you must implement the lessons shared on the show. Don't wait, start today, start now. Take something you've learned from today's episode and put it in action immediately. This is how we keep growing and keep expanding together. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Leave us a review. We're on a mission to get to 200 and we really are climbing up the charts. So thank you so much for all those reviews. You can book myself or Eric to do a talk for you on leadership, the future and how to prepare for it. We do individual talks as well as combined talks. So look out for us on social media, give us a follow and we look forward to engaging with you over the next week until we do our next podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao, Eric. Goodbye.